when we're feeling miserable, we want to know how we can fix it. And the sooner, the better. Just give me six steps to follow, a self-care routine, or some positive affirmations I can repeat to myself. But confession and repentance? That's not what we're looking for. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes we're miserable because we are silently carrying a heavy burden of unconfessed sin. Psalm 32 beautifully walks us through the process of moving from guilt, bondage, and misery to freedom, forgiveness, and celebration. God has given us repentance as a gift. It's the hinge on which forgiveness turns, and it might be the missing ingredient in your life. Hi, friend. You're listening to Find Hope Here. I'm your host, Teresa Whiting, author, speaker, ministry leader, friend, and fellow struggler. This is a podcast about the messy, complicated, painful parts of life, but also the beautiful, joy-filled hope that Jesus promises. Each week, we dig deep into God's Word together and talk about how His truth impacts our everyday lives. I'm not going to ask you to sit with me and have coffee because I seem to have my best conversations while I'm just doing life. So I'd love to hang out with you as you walk or fold laundry or drive to work. You're invited to join me in pursuing the hope God promises. No matter where you are or where you've been, I pray you always find hope here. Let's jump in to today's episode. Welcome to episode 18, Psalm 32. Now, before we jump into this psalm, I want to make something really clear. If you were a victim of sexual abuse or rape or assault or any other criminal activity, that was not your fault. I know from experience that Satan will try to twist your victimization into condemnation. He'll make you feel dirty, guilty, and ashamed of yourself. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Any unwanted, uninvited sexual experience forced upon you is not your guilt to bear. That being said, we all sin in all kinds of ways. And yes, we have been sinned against, but we also sin. Last week, we talked about the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus called her adultery sin. He invited her to leave that sin behind and walk in freedom. Women in our culture today are increasingly susceptible to sexual sins. We hate our sin, but we often feel enslaved to it because it entrenches itself into our hearts until we believe we're powerless to escape it. But there is no sin beyond God's grace. It might take deep work, fervent prayer, and possibly the intervention of others, but freedom from sin is possible. I'm not saying we'll be perfect and that we'll never sin, but I am saying we do not need to be enslaved to any kind of sin, be it sexual or otherwise. Sometimes our sin can be traced back to unwanted trauma. Our past experiences definitely play a formative role in our present struggles, and moving toward freedom and healing might include exploring our past wounds. But even though something was originally not our fault, how we deal with it becomes our responsibility. Today, we're going to dive into how 
to deal with our sin. We're going to be reading Psalm 32. And in this Psalm, we see this progression from bondage to freedom, from misery to celebration. Let's read it and then we'll walk through it together. This is Psalm 32, and I'm reading from the ESV. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man or woman against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. But steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Did you notice the progression? Verses 1 and 2 summarize the message of the psalm. And they introduce some really important keywords. I always thought that words like transgression, sin, iniquity were just kind of synonyms all for the same thing. And they kind of are, but they have different meanings. And on Fine Hope here, we like to dig deep and look at what words really mean. So that word transgression is the Hebrew word pesha, and it means rebellion or trespass. So this is, transgression is kind of like a rebellious act. Sin means to miss the mark or commit an offense against. And then iniquity refers to guilt. So the actual word there for iniquity, you could think of, okay, guilt, like this is something I definitely did wrong. I am guilty. And sin is something we want to hide, right? No matter what kind of sins they are. And sexual sins, I mean, that's next level. Forget it. Have you ever heard a woman confess that she's addicted to porn or contemplating an affair? These are sins that women silently bear alone. Verses three and four say, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. When we carry hidden sin, we experience the pain of our guilt in all kinds of ways, emotionally, spiritually, physically. I mean, he's talking about bones wasting away. Our bodies feel the effects of sin. Our hearts and our minds, that idea of groaning means to roar or cry in distress. 
and we feel the heavy weight, the burden of carrying sin. When we hold on to sin in silence and we do not confess it to God or to one another, we end up being physically, spiritually, and emotionally sucked dry. As I mentioned, a lot of the sins that we deal with, sometimes they're passed down generationally. Sometimes they're just things that we as individuals struggle with. But whenever we sin, whether it's one time or if it's a pattern that we're caught in, God does not leave us in our misery. He provides a way of escape. And the path to freedom is confession and repentance. We see this in verse five, which is the turning point in this psalm. Verse five says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So let's look at some of those words. The, the idea of acknowledging and confessing, that's agreeing with God. It's saying to God what he already knows it's acknowledging our sin. Sometimes it means speaking it out loud. Oh, it takes humility to come out of hiding. It takes humility to say to God, God, this is a sin. It's an offense against you. I am guilty of this. I am rebelling against your goodness and your grace. Confess can also mean to throw or cast. And I imagine that when we come to God with this heavy burden, it's like heaving this big, ugly mess of sin and brokenness at his feet. And he's not shocked. He doesn't turn aside. What does he do with that? Well, what has he already done with that sin? He laid it on Christ at the cross. I've been in churches at times where, you know, you write some kind of um, sin on a piece of paper and you you go up front and you nail it to the cross because it's signifying like, this is what Jesus took for me. But once I was at a church and they said, if you brought your sin up to the cross, it's already there. God already knows he has already placed that sin on Jesus when he was on the cross. And that sin is already forgiven. The psalmist says, I will confess my transgressions or my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave, you took it. That idea of forgive means to lift or carry or take. So in other words, we have this heavy burden that we're carrying. And when God forgives us, he lifts that burden from us. He takes it away. And verse five ends with the word Selah. That is a musical term. I think it means to kind of have like, a musical interlude, like take a break, just let that thought sink in for a minute. It actually occurs also, I think at the end of verse four. Yeah. So verses one through four, the psalmist is basically pouring out his heart saying, you know, I was keeping silent. I was groaning. I was in pain. Selah. Like, think about this. Think about this for a minute. Think about the condition. My body, my heart, my soul was in absolute misery. And then verse five, I acknowledge my sin. I didn't cover. I stopped hiding and you forgave me. You lifted that burden from me. Selah, stop. Think about it. Let that sink in. 
Micah 718 says, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. It is God's delight. When we come to God guilty, when we come before him in confession and repentance, it is a delight for him to pour mercy on us, to pour his steadfast love, his kindness, his grace pours out over us. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but there is a theme in this passage about hiding. I mean, we are all hiders, right? That's our MO. We learned it from Adam and Eve in the garden. But it's so silly because we can't hide from God. And the sooner we remember his knowledge of all things and we come to him in humility and acknowledge our guilt, the sooner we will find relief and freedom. The heavy hand of God upon us is a mercy that leads us to repentance. He's not putting his hand heavy on us to make us miserable. He's saying, come to me, repent, confess, and I'm going to set you free from that. But look at this idea of hiding. In verse two, the psalmist talks about deceit. In verse three, he talks about keeping silent. In verse five, he says, okay, I stopped covering up. I acknowledged it. All these ideas of like, okay, I was hiding my sin. I was covering it. I was doing whatever I could to not be found out. But then when I gave it to you, when I confessed it and acknowledged it and you forgave me, you I went from hiding from God to hiding in God. Verse seven says, you are a hiding place for me. A hiding place, not in the sense of I'm going to hide in you so I can escape. It's you're my safe place. You're my refuge. In verses six through nine, the psalmist turns to instruction. He goes back and forth between telling others what to do and thanking God for the deliverance that he's experienced. You know how it is when you experience something amazing and you want to tell everyone about it, right? You call your best friend, you text links to your mom or your sister, you post about it on social media. You're like, everybody needs to know about this. Well, that's the place where this psalmist is. He's like, listen, verse six says, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah, again, that think about this. Just pause and think about the fact that I've gone from hiding from God to hiding in him. And I found this safe place, this refuge. Verses eight and nine, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like the horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it won't stay near you. In other words, he's like, don't be like an animal. Don't be a beast that needs to be controlled, that needs to be brought near. Come come to God yourself. And then the psalm closes in verses 10 and 11 with these shouts of celebration. It's almost like the psalmist is having a dance party, celebrating God's abundant forgiveness he says, many are the sorrows or the pains of the wicked, but steadfast love, that hesed love that we have talked about, I think it's it's showed up in every psalm so far. Steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. 
When we trust him, we demonstrate that trust by confessing our sin to him, by knowing and believing that he's not going to reject us when we're honest with him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Those words literally mean to like twirl and leap and dance for joy. And think again about the woman who was caught in adultery. She stood before Jesus guilty and she was set free. No more secrets, no more shame, no more hiding, no more pretending. When we come to God in repentance and confession, joy replaces misery. So let me ask you something. When is the last time you came to God to confess your own sin? You came in humility and repentance and you spoke out loud, God, this is my sin. This is where I'm struggling. He already knows He's going to enfold you in his arms of mercy and grace. But what that does, what that confession does is it clears the air. When my husband and I are having a moment, and you probably know what I mean by this, where somebody has done something wrong, probably me, and I've been rude or snappy or unkind. We both know it, okay? We all know what happened here, but that confession to him, that clears the air. That opens up that relationship. It brings a sweetness back. And that's what confession and repentance does. As we come to God with humble hearts, he delights to show us mercy. All right, you guys, before I put the outro on for this episode, I just have to tell you all that my Bible study, Graced, How God Redeems and Restores the Broken, is almost ready to be released. I'm thinking it'll happen probably within the month. And as you probably know, this podcast is based on that Bible study, and I am so excited about this. I'm inviting you to be a part of launching this book into the world. If you believe that women need to be set free from sexual shame, if they need to find their place in God's story and relinquish bitterness and refuse to be defined by labels and find restoration and healing from their wounds, you can be a part of spreading the message. I'm going to tell you a few ways that you can help. First of all, you can spread the word about this podcast. There's a little like square button with an arrow on it. That's the share button. You just hit that button and you can send it to a friend through a text or through an email or however you want to send it. Um, And second is to join my launch team. You are my people. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but there's no team of professionals back here behind the scenes. It's me and my microphone and you. I am creating a launch team and I am inviting you to be a part of it. So I've created a link and I've put it in the show notes. All you have to do is fill out a little tiny form with your name and email address and I will add you to the team. Woo woo! Thanks for hanging out with me today on Find Hope Here. To find anything I mentioned on the episode, go to teresawhiting.com slash listen. That's where you can find all the show notes. And remember to hit that subscribe button. If you want to go the extra mile and leave a review, that would be amazing. And it would mean so much to me. 
I'd like to leave you with this prayer from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.